Well, the easiest way to win is just persist. Like if you could pick anything. So the two things, this is fully 100% what I've seen with marketing and with running businesses that have done well, uh, is that you have to persist and then you have to evolve. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. Okay, everybody. Today, we have a guest that was actually one of my first 10 on Growth Everywhere. So this is about three and a half, almost four years ago. Holy shit. Uh, so this is Noah Kagan, aka uh, Rabbi Can't Lose, aka Buff Jewish Man, aka The Taco Lover. He's also the founder of Sumo, also founded at Sumo, also host of the podcast Noah Kagan Presents, which I highly recommend. Uh, definitely unique versus the other podcasts that I listen to. And I'll also, also previously at Mint and previously employee number 30 at Facebook. Noah, welcome back. It's good to see your face, man. It's good to see your face too. Usually I don't do the, the camera thing, but I think I have enough bandwidth for you today. Um, the internet gods have smiled upon you. So how's it going, man? <laughs> Today's good. I actually went and had breakfast tacos. Breakfast tacos. How does that work? I've never had breakfast tacos before. You know, it's funny. This is one of those things that if people want to start a business, just do it in like the West Coast or East Coast. Uh, it, it's pretty straightforward. It's, it, you know, eggs, cheese, tortilla. All Mexican food is literally the same three things. Like, have you ever heard that joke? No, no, never. It, it's like enchilada, tortilla, egg, or tortilla, meat, beans. What's a normal taco? Tortilla, chicken. It's just like burrito, tortilla, chicken. It's like a lot of Mexican food is just like the same stuff. You know, I, I feel like, you know, in, in Texas, you're either eating tacos or you're eating barbecue, right? Like when you're in New Orleans, all you're eating is gumbo, crawfish, and like fried chicken. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, from a growth and marketing perspective, you know, you kind of got to give the people what they expect. When a, Andrew Chen, who is a pretty known marketer as well, he comes to town and he's one of my close friends. And every time he comes here, I'm like, dude, let's go get sushi. Let's go get like, oh, there's this really good ramen place. And he's like, bitch, I'm here for the tacos and the barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> so cool, we man. always go get tacos and barbecue. Give us a refresher on what you're up to now. What are you working on? Yeah. So shit, we talked three years ago. It's been a almost four. Almost four. One, I want to just give you commends. So like everybody's like trying to figure out how to like do better marketing. It's here's one thing. Just do it for four years. Mm -hmm. And I'm guessing you'll figure out some things. Most people just do it for like a few months. Uh, and I can understand it. Like this podcast thing doesn't grow that fast. Mm -mm. No, and I'll tell you what, you know, it's interesting. I was looking at a uh, podcasters paradise. It's just like some feed popped up on Facebook when I, when I woke up today. And, you know, these people are like, you know, I've been doing this for a couple months and I'm only getting 1500 downloads. You know, I've, I've spent so much time, blah, blah, blah. And I just want to give up. And then like the story I've been sharing in a lot of talks that I've been giving is just like after one year, I, I got I got fucking nine downloads a day, nine downloads a day. A year after that, I was getting 54 downloads a day. But like you just keep going and eventually it gets up to like, you know, 100K a month or something like that. But you just stick with it, right? What, what are you uh, what are you at a day now? Uh, a day. So for so for let's see, the marketing school podcast, we go up to like 28K in a day. Um, and then for this one, we get up to like. 3,500 in a day. Nice, yeah. dude. But but I mean, keep in mind that the, I'm repeating a lot of the, the old stuff because it's just stories, right? I'm talking to you like the story is evergreen. So that's why we repeat the same stuff, but we just put a date behind it. That's what I was thinking for podcasts because a lot of like the historical ones, people don't really get experience. I think that's an amazing marketing lesson, which is if you have old stuff that's really good, just recycle it. Mm -hmm. So many people have other, and I think this is something for myself where I'm like, let me try to create another thing and another thing. It's like, this stuff's already good. They haven't seen it in two years. So put that in your autoresponder or just like refresh it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's one thing that we did with OK Dork recently. And the refreshes, I mean, it's getting more popular now, but our refreshes where we change the title, we update the images, we clean up the text and maybe the strategies. Now, very minimal, maybe a few hours work. It like doubles the amount of traffic. It works so well. Yeah, like in some cases, most of it's doubling. In some cases, we're getting quadruple the traffic. So we're, we're upgrading a lot of content. We're just, you know, it's it makes sense, right? If you buy a car, you're not going to just like, you know, use it for a month and then that's it. Like you, you're going to try to maximize the mileage, right? <laughs> I don't drive a car for a month. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. 
I think it's one of these things where like if something's working, how can you make it work better? So mm-hmm. we that's something that I think we don't all do well in marketing where like I had this this Tony Robbins article that got pretty popular and it wasn't a knock on Tony. It was just like my experience at his, his thing and it was kind of yeah. a different opinion. Yeah. Um, and so the two things. Thank you. The, the two things that were interesting about that uh, is that number one, you're really going to get out what you put in. So like I spent two months writing that one article. Two and months. Two months writing one article. Yes. Not full time, but, you know, maybe 10 hours a week, give or take. And the interesting thing about that is that I'm doing YouTube now. I've been experimenting with that as a marketing channel. And I put like 15 minutes in prepping for my video and then I put it out there and then not many people watch it, you know, like a thousand or two thousand, which is great. I appreciate the people. But I'm like, I want a hundred thousand watching an episode. And my friend said, well, you know, how much time are you putting into them? I'm like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, exactly. You know what? You know what's interesting? I mean, I watch. You know, my friend and I, uh, and, and you met him before when you're in uh, Santa Monica. We actually watch every single one of your videos. Like when I'm eating, I, I just need like 15 minute sound bites so I can just eat really quick and get back to work. Uh, so it's either TED talks or I watch your videos because they're actually useful. Like a Warren Buffett six counterintuitive things. I'm like, holy shit, that's good, right? So I, I think, but to to what we just spoke about, like it's just going to take time to get there. Like you, I see your subscriber count. You're growing up. Every time I look at it, it's like he's up by a thousand. He's up by a thousand. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really if, you know, people always ask, like, if you could tell your 20 year old self, I'd be like, dude, buy Apple stock and retire. I don't know. Like <laughs> that, that would be my advice. But the second advice that I've thought about a lot, and I think you're so right, man. Uh, and the, the easiest way to win is just persist. Like if you could pick anything. So the two things, this is fully 100 percent what I've seen with marketing and with running businesses that have done well, uh, is that you have to persist and then you have to evolve. Mm hmm. And so like Facebook, you know, I was early there and besides the point, I don't think people give Facebook or Amazon or some of these larger companies credit of how they've stayed relevant for 20 years. Like you can stay relevant for a month. I think of it like a diet, like any of us could do a diet for a week. Like, hey, do my mom does a watermelon diet. I always joke about she'll eat watermelon for a few days. That's it. And she loses a bunch of weight. I love it. And and then she goes back and eats pizza the next week and she calls me. She's like, I'm so guilty. I'm so guilty. I ate a pizza, the whole thing, Noah. And I'm like, mom, you can't, it's not sustainable. Uh, And so with marketing and business, it's like, how do you stick with something? And I think you're very right, man. Thank you for the reminder, which is just like with my podcast or with the YouTube channel I am with Sumo. Um, Stick with it for a long time, at least a year. And and then at a year, that's kind of my thought is commit for a year hardcore and then a year make that decision. Uh, And the second thing that I think I do well and most marketers can improve on is just how can you look at what's working and then evolve it? So for my YouTube, it's like, well, what topics have gotten the most views and which marketing activities have done better and then which things are not. So for me, when I do a lot of my frou-frou videos, like, oh, how to ask better questions or I like the topic or like how to do better sales and Mm -hmm. things like that. It does okay. But if I talk about marketing specifically, like, hey, here's an exact marketing strategy I'm using, like my core marketing strategy or uh, the ones I think for 2017 are email marketing. They do well. And it's like, okay, well, Noah, why don't you do more of those and then less of the two-minute kind of like frou-frou ones? And, and you got to – it's this interesting Venn diagram of like what the world wants, what you want to make, and then like where's that intersection? So these, these, some of these, these other ones, the, the, the not so much marketing ones, you have the, the AirPod ones and then you have the Warren Buffett ones, right? Are those yeah. – would you say those are more around kind of what you're interested in or are those more like yeah. marketing? Those are more just what I'm interested in. Yeah, it's more of like what's your goal, right? So I think one of the number one mistakes every marketer makes is not having a clear goal. And so how do you set the right goals? <sighs> fuck, dude, it's hard. And it's hard not to deviate because you get excited. So I'll tell you, I, I have struggled with that this year more than any other year. Every other year with our business, with AppSumo.com, our Groupon company for geeks, or Sumo.com, the email marketing software, it's been very clear. And uh, so like, and, and let me walk through some of the examples. I think people always like this. So AppSumo, when I first started, my goal was to get half a million email subscribers on our mailing list. And, and that was in two years. Uh, it was in one year. The first year I was just fucking around. I didn't even know what was happening. And I was just like, at the end of the year, I was like, oh my God, I made $300,000 revenue, not profit at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, second year, I was like, holy shit, we have like 50,000 subscribers. Let's 10x that. So what made it really nice is that every decision was around how do we get to that half a million number. And a lot of the times the goals, it's like literally the last few months where you're like, oh my God, I'm, we might actually do it. And then we did it in like October. And then the next year, it was like a revenue goal. And the next year, it was a sales goal for a course. We try to sell 3,333 of our course. And then with Sumo.com, it's been you know a certain amount of people using it goal for a year, then a revenue goal. And then last year was a revenue goal, and this year is a revenue goal. And this, you know, and we've had to change it. Like our first year of Sumo, we thought we'd make $10 million our first year. Huh. 
And in our first month, we made 20000 Nice. <laughs> so I was like, uh, yeah, we're probably not going to make $10 million this year. So we had, you know, you have to readjust. So how do you figure out your goal? I think the things that I've learned about goal setting uh, is that it has to be authentic. And when it's not authentic, we know it. So when you're saying like, I, I see this from a lot of businesses and business owners, I want to help a million entrepreneurs. Mm, and we yeah. actually, we I'm tell, go to an about page. I want to change the lives of 50,000, you know, Jewish, you know, people's businesses, whatever. <laughs> and uh, I did that. And then, I, you know, it's one of these things where you, it kind of gnaws on you, where you're just, it doesn't feel right. And you know when it feels right. And the way that it feels right is that it's something that's authentic to you, which I hate when people say that because I'm like, well, what's authentic? It's like just something that you really want. But it should also be like just out of reach. So when I started my podcast, that was my goal for the beginning of the year. And you could see it actually. The audio people can't see it, but it's on my fridge. So right there, I print out my goal and I put it on my fridge. So every time I open the fridge to get water or drinks, food, whatever, I see my goal. That's how you get girls to fall in love with you. You put them on your fridge. (laughs) I put my net worth on the fridge too. I don't know why. (laughs) Just to, you know, like net worth. Wait, do you really? (laughs) Well, that's how much money we're trying to make this year. Got it. You know what's interesting? Yeah. I mean, you know, you, so there's goals, right? I think marketers are really good at setting like, you know, numerical goals. But, you know, in a couple entrepreneur organizations, right? And they're always like, yeah, you got to have the, the vision statement. You got to have the mission statement. So what's your vision statement? What's your mission statement? Yeah. Uh, I think so marketers we, suck at that. We do. I don't know if all of us suck at it. Um, but I think when you look at the people who are accomplishing things, the ones that are at like the next echelon of life, of, of success, they've already made so much money, it's not about the money. And I think that's really interesting. So if you look at like Larry Ellison, Bill Gates, Jobs, like the, the people that we're all used to, Musk, all these people, they don't have to work anymore. And it's every, a lot of people listening to your show and my show and so forth, they're like, I want to make more money and I want to make more money. But there's something different about the ones who've got to that next level of status that all of us would love to have that much money. They're not actually after the money. Right. They've gotten so much of it that it doesn't matter. And so they're after a vision. And I've changed my mind in the past few years. I've definitely cared more about what's the purpose of things. When before, I think in your 20s, it's like make money, work hard, make more of it. And I think when businesses, they have to get more clarity on vision. And I talked about one of the YouTube videos because it was so helpful for me. And so to figure out a vision, it's actually really simple. It was it's surprisingly simple. Go to a friend and you talk to a friend and then be like, hey, what's like what would be really cool? Like what would be really fun for you to actually want to make? or work on. And then you just start talking about it, just kind of like flow. So for me, I mean, all I've ever done, if I actually, so that's number one, tell a friend. And number two, just look back in the past 12 months and then just think about what you've worked on that you really like woke up early or stayed up late for. And you go through phases. There's times where you're like, I'm sure for you, Eric, like you're really excited about something. You're like, fuck, this is great. Like I figured out a new marketing activity or I like, mm-hmm. I interviewed someone and think about what things those were. And then you just merge those two. And so for me, what I've really loved to do is I love to promote great things. That's all I love to do. I love to, and I'm not generally the creator of great things, but I'm definitely the promoter of them. Uh, things that I think are great. I worked at Facebook. I thought it was great. I thought Mint was great. I think AppSumo is great. I think Sumo is great. And AppSumo is promoting other people's tools that are great. And Sumo, we give people the tools themselves. And then my podcast and YouTube is just kind of me. It's me doing some of my own stuff, but now it's finding other people that I can promote their stuff that I think is great. And I've, you know, it's one of those kids you're in college. You ever meet the kid who like already knew his, his major yeah. and they knew their career. I'm like, how'd you fucking figure that out? No, this like, is, it's th- the Asian parents, dude. They force it on you. You gotta be a doctor. <laughs> you gotta be a lawyer. You gotta be an engineer. That's true. But there's, and there's a lot of other races in addition to the Asians and the Jews, um, <laughs> that have predetermined careers. But I, I think you kind of figure out things you don't like to do. And then you think about what, what are things, what are things that you would work on for free where there's not an ending? Totally. And I think when you get that, that's something at Sumo we actually are getting better at, which is just how do you align the company? Because at some point, you know, a, there's a lot of great companies out there to work for. And, you know, we're all trying to pass time while we're alive. And so how do we want to spend the, the time in the most meaningful way for ourselves? And I think you have to, the company has to have something connected to that. So for us, Sumo, it's, we basically help the underdogs. We help people grow themselves. You know, it's interesting. And, I mean, you have this other yeah. stuff. So you have the YouTube, great videos going on. You have a great podcast. You're doing all this stuff. You're promoting oh, stuff, there. right? And I don't know if you're unconsciously or consciously doing this, but uh, I had a friend that wrote a book, it's called uh, Top of Mind, right? But you're basically staying top of mind all the time, right? So if people want to, you know, they think of something, it's like, shit, Noah's there all the time. Like I see his stuff all the time. He's there, you know, he's, he's creating all this great stuff. He's promoting stuff. I see his videos. I know who he is. So is that something you, you are very, like, really strategic about or is it just kind of happening? It just happens. I mean, I, it's funny. I, I was, I think about this with the marketing. Um, 
and I'll tell you some of my strategies of how I thought about podcasts yeah. and YouTube and the growth and, and specifically. But the best marketing, if you're ever trying to do really great marketing, all you have to do is you need to have people say this phrase. This is the phrase you're looking for. I see you everywhere. And so what that means, because when I did Mint Marketing or when we've done AppSumo Marketing or with Sumo, people are like, I see you guys everywhere. It's like, no, you don't. But you see me where you, I want to show to people like you. I'm looking for you. And I think with marketing, most people are so broad that they miss the customer. And so, and I, I'm not saying I'm perfect at it, but the more that you can target specific people and really cater to them, the more that they're going to see you and, you know, probably respond to the things you're, you're promoting. Um, you know, I'll, I'll say, man, like in terms of vision, so like for the podcast, I said in the beginning of the year, I want a hundred thousand downloads an episode. I actually originally said 10,000 and my friend Billy said, dude, you could do 10,000 in a few months. Like that's kind of weak. You're being a bitch. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, you're right. I am. And you know, I thought, well, what, what seems like almost impossible to do? And I thought a hundred thousand an episode, I mean, that puts you in the top hundred or so. Right. I mean, and you know, and one growing a podcast is fucking harder, way harder than I thought. So mm -hmm. the goal should be hard. So the two things that I've learned about goals in the past, you know, seven to 10 years of running companies myself was that it should be hard. And the second thing that I've really learned in the past few years, this is a mistake I made early on, is that the goals need to be continuous. What do you mean? So what would ha what would happen with Sumo, for instance, is that let's say we set a goal to make a, a million dollars recurring revenue in the year and we'd have a one year plan. And that was our goal. And we hit the goal in October. And then November and December, I'm like, what should we do now? I'm like, I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. And then we kind of get a little lost. Mm -hmm. And you kind of look around and you're like, what should we do next? And so uh, I think your vision is like a destination that's almost unreachable, you know, to help every business promote themselves or something that like you genuinely want. But there also should be some numerical plan that extends beyond a year. So what we did is we created a 2020 plan. So where do we want to be in 2020? And then have high level numbers for that. But in one year, which is more important for us, have more detailed, like, what, what are our monthly targets? Uh, and that's really helped us. So, like, as we finish one goal, it's like, all right, cool. We know where we're going overall. So your vision, I mean, does it ever, do you find it shifting? Because, I, I mean, for right now, like, for me, I, I find it shifting from time to time, right? Like, but it's kind of slightly, like, really subtly shifting. Does that ever change how, for you? Yeah. How's your shifting? Yeah. So for me, I mean, it's, it's, it's all about... Uh, my, my long-term vision is, you know, how do you, how do I improve education in the world? Right. If I look at everything that I do, it's like podcasts. Okay. It's, it's, it's education for people, videos, education for people, right. Even training people on the team, it's education. Like everything I do is around education. Right. So that's how I see it. But it's like, okay. Yeah. Like I can say, I want to build uh, educationally based businesses. Right. Um, or like businesses with the foundation in education. But you know, is that what I really want to do? Like it's, it's constantly like shifting in my head. Yeah, things change. You don't wear the yeah. same clothes from high school. I do. I don't know about you. <laughs> Actually, I do. A lot of my clothes are still from high school. Yeah, I mean, things change. Uh, I think the vision is just like as you're working on things, where do you want it to go? The hard part is when things are, and I think this is an important message for you, for me, for the people up in their earlobes, is that it, there will be a hard part. There will be a part where you're working on education and for a week or two, like for me right now, like my podcast and my YouTube, like I don't really want to do it. And, you know, I mean, in I talked with my friend Adam from mybodytutor.com about it. And and I swear, this is the, 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 I don't know if it is the essence of success, but it's doing the things that you, you should do when you don't want to do them. Mm -hmm. That is success. Success is like the person's watching TV on Netflix and, and jerking off. And you're like, well, shit, I, I didn't want to go to the gym that, that every time I think I don't want to go to the gym, that's when I go to the gym. Right. And I don't want to be working on my podcast or YouTube or sumo and helping grow sumo. That's when I go do that stuff because it, it's when things are going well, it's easy to continue. What's that quote? You know, the successful people do the things that unsuccessful people are unwilling to do. Right. Ooh, I like that. Right? Yeah. There you go. There. Well, and I think it's a good message to repeat over and over because people think that as you get to different levels of revenue or different levels of external labeled success, whatever it is, I think it just gets easier. No, you push yourself to, to new challenges. So, I mean, with the podcast, yeah, man, I, I launched the No King Presents podcast and I was like, all right, 100,000, I, I, you know, I wrote out my marketing plan. I said, I'm going to get 100,000 by the end of the year. Here's my targets each month. Here's my marketing activities each month. And like nothing worked, <laughs> like almost nothing worked. And I was shocked uh, just how slow it fucking grows. Mm -hmm. But it's working now, right? Uh, I mean, it's not, I don't know. It's still really slow. Uh, compared to other marketing things like Quora has been really interesting. YouTube is a little bit more manageable. Email list is really manageable. Uh, and then it's easy to not get distracted. So like I kind of got distracted with the YouTube thing uh, because I was just focused on podcast. And then my friend's like, well, why don't you just record your podcast on video and we'll put it out there. And 
I think where I'm trying to figure out the right balance, Eric, is that I think it's very great to have a goal and you're like a dog and you're just like, I'm going to get that bone. And, but sometimes it's nice to kind of appreciate the journey. You know, when you go for a hike, mm-hmm. sometimes when I'm hiking or if I'm doing something, I'm just looking down. Yeah, and this I'm just is like, amazing. Yeah. And well, no, you're just looking down and you're, you don't see all the amazing stuff around you because you're so focused on just getting the goal and you get the goal and then you're like, OK, I guess I got the goal. What do I do now? And so for me, I think there's this balance between what's your plan. So your plan is a certain goal and then there's habits to get the goal. And my habits are, you know, for the most part, I really do love making the podcast. I like doing the YouTube. I like promoting marketing. I like helping Sumo grow. I love those things. Uh, and so it's balancing where I want it to be ultimately, but also with creating habits that I can do for the next 10 years. I can work on this for infinite until maybe I never die. What are your habits? Well, what does your day to day look like? And I guess that's two separate questions. Yeah, I mean, the habits is just like podcasts every Tuesday. And in terms of marketing for people thinking about growth, it's, you know, how do you do things that people can start looking forward to it? I, I put on a conference at Berkeley, um, our club. I wanted I wanted a flagship thing that everyone could always think of our club for. And I created a technology conference. So I hit up all these companies. I said, hey, can you come show off your technology? And it became our yearly tradition so that when I left Berkeley, you know, three years later or five years later, they were still running. I think finally now it's like 10 years or so they finally stopped doing it. Wow. Uh, but in terms of habits, it's how do you do something consistently? Right. So for every Thursday, I put out uh, an email. Every Tuesday, I put out a podcast once a week. And we're experimenting with the days Monday, Wednesday or Friday. We're putting out a YouTube video. Uh, and so in marketing activities, it's like, how do you create something that it's on the calendar and you're like, well, shit, I've got to make that happen. How do I write like a thousand words a day? And I, I think habits are things you experiment for yourself, see if it makes your life better and then either add them in or remove them. Yeah, my days vary. I like a lot of variation in the things I go throughout my week. Um, generally, Monday, I work on Sumo. Like Wednesday, I don't do anything. I just take Wednesday off for thinking. And then Tuesday, Thursday, Friday are either creating YouTube podcasts or helping out uh, sumo or doing some marketing for okay door. You know, what's really important. I, I think most people don't, you know, the, the, the more experienced entrepreneurs I talk to, there's always one day that's reserved for strategy, right? And you read it in books sometimes. So I guess, how did you learn about taking that day off and what is it, what has it done for you? Well, I think the, it's not really a day off. It is a, it's kind of a block day, right? You know, when I, man, when you see it, like someone not at their computer, you think they're not working. Mm-hmm. And I think about a lot of the greatest innovations or jumps that I've been able to work on or be experienced or experienced. Uh, I think about when they happen. So for everyone out there, think about the last time you came up with a new idea and think about the last time you thought of something really creative. And then where were you? What was happening? I would say 99% I would bet against that you weren't at your, your desk at your computer working. 100%. I mean, last year, like I went to Napa. I was, I was going to take someone with me, but then I decided to uh, just go alone. And was it a lady friend? It was. It was. I was like, I can't do it. I was like, I can't do it. I can't take her. No way. I got to cut it off. I got to, I, I just can't do it. So I went, I was like, I'm going to do you this went to Napa strategy. alone? Yeah, I went to Napa alone. It's great. Um, I think I would do it again. But anyway, so I, I actually had spent, you know, that those two days just completely strategizing for the next year. Like, here's what we need to do exactly. Here's what we need to do to get here. And, you know, great things happen. Um, and I, I know other people, just to digress a little bit, I mean, there's guys that take Wednesday strategy days or Friday strategy days, right? Whereas just focus on thinking you're maybe you're not in front of a computer, you go to the beach, right? But then that's where ideas start to come out, right? I don't know where you go. Yeah, I mean, I've done a bunch of different things. I think everybody's got to find their creative zone. And don't, people don't say, oh, I can't take a day off because I've got a, you know, I've got a job and I'm an employee somewhere. Mm-hmm. So wake up early in the morning, maybe Saturday morning, go to a cafe. Right. Or maybe it's during jogging or maybe it's during like for me, I was I got a, I bought a Miata. So it's when I'm working on my Miata, me, me and my buddy Miata. Mazda Miata? Oh. Dude, you're Asian. You don't know what Miata is. Mazda. It's like a, it's kind of used to be a quarter life crisis car, but now it's like a hip 30 year old car. I think I need one then. It's kind of like a better, it's better like than a Prius, right? uh, Yeah. It's kind of like a little rice rocket. I've got to look at it. It's a little racer car. So, you know, my friend who runs a company, uh, we go and work on the car and we talk about business. And I remember when I was in my 20s and I would see someone not working, I'd be like, oh, they're being, they're wasting. They're not Mm -hmm. being productive. They're not being efficient. And I think there's this balance and and I, and I try to figure out where it is, but the balance is go do a bunch of shit and then you'll figure out things or think about things. And then when you do it, you're going to be a lot more effective. And I think both strategies can work. Uh, I've seen the second one kind of be more productive. Like here's a funny example. I was having lunch with this guy, Kit, who wrote, he creates these awesome foot mats for when you do standing desk, topo design. They're called ergo-driven topo design. And we're having brunch, and we just were talking for like three hours. And while I was talking to him, 
I was joking about AppSumo. I said, man, AppSumo, we hired this guy, Eamon, who's amazing. He's hired a team. They're all great. And I haven't really bugged him in two years. I talked to him once a week for a few hours. Not a few hours. I talked to him once a week for a few, like 15 minutes maybe. And the business has doubled in the past two years since I don't, I'm not involved. So he's like your GM for that company. Yeah, he's a GM. Okay. Yeah, he's a GM. He runs it. It's his. It's his. Mm-hmm. I'm his assistant. And what's amazing, I was as I was talking about him with it, I was like, man, the more I left him alone, the better he did. And then I was thinking about Sumo uh, as my business partner, Chad, is running it. And it made me reflect on, oh, wow, the more I leave him alone, the better it could run. Because I was annoying the shit out of him. <laughs> and it was just, you know, that didn't come because I'm in my office standing on my computer working. It came because I took the time to talk about it with someone I respected uh, and think about, OK, how are things at that, you know, uh, different, high, different level? Uh, higher perspective from it. This is so interesting because, like, I just went on a trip for three weeks, right? And I'm, I was like, I'm going to see how my team behaves, you know, without me. I'm going to see how they put out fires. I purposely responded to Slack message slowly. I purposely delayed my responses on email, and they passed with flying colors, right? And this goes into another story. I joined uh, Entrepreneurs Organization a couple of years ago with this one guy. This guy's guy's a company, uh, you know, doing three million a year, right? And then so, you know, some a couple of weeks ago, I was like, so how are things going, man? Good to see you. And he's like, well, we're doing 22 million a year now. I was like, okay, well, tell me what happened. And he's like, that's pretty good. Dude, he's like, well, it's it's really easy, man. Like, you just hire really great people and you get the fuck out of their way, and that's it. And like, I hear, you hear this from all the entrepreneurs, but I think like maybe marketers, maybe you and I as marketers, maybe we're a little a lot more neurotic and we like to control things. But the more control you give up, the more great things happen, right? Yeah, it's everyone knows this. There's a, there's this advice in business that everyone's looking for like the next new thing or the next silver bullet when really the answers have been said and it's been, you can see on YouTube, on podcasts, you can go learn how these guys have done it. Mm-hmm. And some of it we know, but I think it's like, how do you actually implement it? Uh, so how do you know you're hiring great people? Here's a very simple thing. How much are you paying them? Because great people don't work for cheap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I've learned. I've never met someone who's like amazing and they're like, yeah, man, but don't worry. I'm super cheap. You can hire me for free or for like low wage. Like if they're starting out, yeah, because they're starting out. But if you're trying to hire people that are bosses, uh, they're probably not going not gonna to want to be paid very little. The thing I realized with Eamon, uh, who runs AppSumo, or Chad, who runs Sumo.com, uh, is two things related to your point. It's not about me not working. It's not about me being their boss or me anything related to that because no one wants that. I don't think. No one wants to be told what to do all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe sexually, there's some probably freaks out there, <laughs> but for the most part, most people want to feel empowered. They want to have, have some purpose. And so the two things that I realized that Chad and Eamon and myself and everyone needs, it's actually very simple. They need a very clear goal. They just need a clear goal because if they're not aligned with you, the expectations are off. It's like your team did random shit. You're like, well, fuck you do random shit. It's like, well, they don't know where the fuck they're trying to go. The vision that ties back to the vision. Where mm-hmm. are we trying to go? All right. Well, what's our number to that? Uh, the second thing that they need, and this is the part that I'm getting better on, is they need autonomy and to make those decisions. They need to have the trust. And, you know, you give them trust. I like what Derek Sivers says, trust, trust but verify. What does that so mean? You give them, trust but verifies. Let them make the decisions. But, you know, maybe once a week, once a month, check the numbers. Make sure they're going in the right direction. How do you check numbers for them? Do you have, like, a dashboard? Do you use an Excel sheet? What From a tactical level, what are you doing there? Yeah, so we have a so we have two different business units on AppSumo side. Uh, we have a yearly revenue target and then he has monthly revenue target. And then every Monday, uh, an email is, is created from Eamon that target that just says how he's doing against it. Got it. Um, and the other thing you, or it goes to the entire team, it goes to me, him, and then Chad. Got it. And, and basically that, that's just kind of like a weekly check-in. So if things were off dramatically, okay, it's like, Hey, what's going on? Why is it off? And what are we doing about it? The other thing that we added, uh, two years ago, and I would say even if you're a small business, like you're making like 50,000 a year, which is great. Every business starts small. I wouldn't, I would add, and we did this too late, but add monthly board meetings. And that's a great way to hold your business accountable. And then if there's major issues, get, get them fixed. Uh, and so find someone that, that when you talk to them, you always find out, find good information about your business. Like, Hey, what are you guys doing this? So someone that will actually put in the time and, and care about it. Because uh, we started doing board meetings, me, Chad, and Andrew, and we just added Brian Balfour, and it's just like holy shit! Like Brian, we Sumo had some conversion rate issues, and Brian was like, "Yo, where, where, what are you guys doing about it?" I was like, "I, I don't know." He's like, "Well, what? How much did the numbers changed? And they changed by a lot. Mm-hmm. It was like forty percent difference." And he's like, "Yeah, that's pretty bad." And he's the one that pointed it out. And then we went and fixed it, and now things have gotten better. Uh, but monthly board meetings, in terms of uh, helping people just stay accountable and helping them stay on track. It's kind of, I think all of business is just like a Google map. It's like, what's your destination? What's the route? 
And then as you're driving, you're like, oh shit, traffic jam. Let me use Waze to like go around it. Right. You may have to change on your, on your drive or on your flight. And uh, with, with sumo.com, uh, how we do it is we have the same exact thing. What's our you know, yearly goal? What's our monthly target? Uh, what's, and there's different teams. So we have marketing team, sales team, uh, webinar team, product team. And then there's a daily dashboard that has, your tar- has their targets in either red or green. So yeah. if let's say the revenue the month is 10,000 and then each team is responsible for some percentage and then every day they can see how they're doing. And then every week we do the same thing with a e- weekly email that shows um, how it went last week, what they're doing this week. And yeah, and then we do the same thing, monthly board meetings. So, I mean, the biggest thing is just like, where do you want to go? How are you doing towards that? And then on a monthly basis, just checking in uh, to see, all right, are there any corrections we need to be making? Okay. A few more questions here. We're yeah, great wrapping questions. Up. Thanks. Really good questions. Thanks, man. Right. It makes it easy when, when you're, you're when you're a good podcaster too. Um, so, you know, my question is you have, you have these board meetings, right? So you have, you have, Ad, um, when you say Andrew, I'm assuming Andrew Chen, right? Yeah. So Andrew Chen, you got Brian Belfort. These are all stars, right? So how are you finding great, how do you find great board members and how do you compensate them? Yeah. So most, so when I first started AppSumo seven years ago, I found people with specific things I wanted to learn. So Heaton is a great product guy. So Heaton was an advisor. Eric Rees was great at development. So I gave him an advisor. Um, Paul Singh was great at operations, gave him an advisor. Simon Tizminski was great at advertising, gave him an advisor. So I gave him equity. Um, so what is it, I don't, like 0.25%? Something around, literally something around that, 005 to 0.25%. That doesn't really work well. <laughs> Tell me more. That doesn't work well. Because like, there's no real value to it. And, and unless they really know you well, like after a year, they all kind of stopped. And I don't blame them. It's probably on me to involve them. So the two things that I've seen have worked well, one is from like this guy named Paul Foley out in Denver, him and uh, Pascal Wagner. What they do, and I like this strategy, is let's say I wanted to get Eric Sue as an advisor, okay? And, and any of the listeners out there, this is what you do to Eric. Hey, Eric, I just want to share stats for my business every month. Can I just send it to you? You don't have to reply. You don't have to have anything. You don't have to do anything. But I think it'll be interesting numbers that you can see how my business runs. You'd be like, sure. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I'm in. Yeah, of course. Any any super large company, small ass company, they want to see your numbers. And so what Paul and Pascal have done, and I thought it's a good strategy, is they use informal advisors that they turn into advisors. Hmm. So, and then I can talk about the strategy for the board meetings specifically. Uh, but what they do is every month they say, hey, here's our revenue numbers. Here's how we did customers. Here's the marketing things that did. Here's the things that have not worked out. And it's almost hard for me not to look at it and not respond. Right. And over time, you start wanting to like help more and help more. If and I think about I th- it, I've responded to each and every one. I've gotten a couple of those. And like, yeah, even though like I'm like, hey, I, I don't think I'm going to be an advisor. But a guy keeps sending it over and over to me. And I see it growing. I start to involve myself naturally. You're right. Yeah, that's a very good. Yeah, you start to you involve yourself naturally. The second thing is that with a board, um, board is kind of like a marriage. And I think you need to really have a your partner's. So this is what's interesting about Andrew, and I can talk about how to recruit someone. Andrew pretty much always disagrees with me. Interesting. <laughs> so we go to these board meetings, and Chad and I are like, hey, we're going to go do this product feature. Uh, I'm trying to think of a recent one. Um, I, I can't think of the top of my head, but we, I'm going to come and do this. And then Andrew comes and says, actually, you guys should do this. And my natural reaction is, fuck you. Not like in a mean <laughs> way, but it's like, yeah. no, we already planned it. Like I do this. And you have to realize, like, what's the value of a board, and what's the value of slash board or advisor? And it's to challenge you about the things you're going to do because they come from a different perspective. He literally looks at the business once a month and I want him to come and look at it from a challenging perspective. Like, why are you doing that? Like if they're not doing it and they're just agreeing with you, they're probably not a great board member. Right. And not all the times we agree with Andrew, but a lot of the times uh, he'll disagree with us. And so I have to remind myself like this, his job here is not to agree. So when, it, when he starts disagreeing, then it helps me take a step out and say, all right, well, what is really the best objective decision to help us grow our business? And so for a board member perspective, it's what, what do you want from them, right? So what, what is the value that they provide specifically? So Andrew is better at like modeling than us. He's just very mm-hmm. good at thinking through things in a like Excel model framework. And the second thing is that he just generally disagrees with my opinion. So that's a very valuable thing. And the third thing is you do want to find someone who gives a fuck, right? Because I think a lot of people I've seen through getting mentorship or personally or advisors or board members, they're trying to get someone who just doesn't care. Mm. And they just don't, they don't care. And so you do want to find someone that think about anyone you've worked with in the past that when you talk with them about your business, you're like, man, that, that guy or girl had really great opinions. I felt that, that I, I went and implemented it and took it back and, and like, I would want them around and then try yeah. even like an informal 
monthly board meeting and like, you know, Hey, do you mind if next month we'd spend 30 minutes talking about it? Uh, and didn't see how it goes. I, I would say most people, once they start doing it, uh, it's one of these things, it's one of these things that like, if I start company, when I start, if I ever start another company, I don't know if I will like sumo, I, I love doing what we do, so I don't really plan on it. But if I ever start another company from scratch, or if I give people suggestions, I'd say the two things that were surprising about growing a business, number one, have monthly board meetings, almost like I would start with that, which I never did for like five years. And the second thing is hiring a recruiter earlier. Yes. You know, yes. <laughs> recruiting yes. is like people are literally the only difference in companies to almost, yeah, literally the only difference in companies is people. Totally. Which is what so why, exactly what that guy just told us, right? Three to 22 million. It's, I mean, there's a reason it's, there's a reason certain companies do better than others. Like when I worked at Facebook, I worked with the best people I've ever worked with. When I worked at Intel, I, I love the people at Intel. They're not bad at all, but they're not looking to really make, you know, change the world and grow a company and, and commit themselves fully to a business growing. And they didn't put that energy on it. And the business, you know, that's probably why Intel's done okay. And you know, Facebook is, I think probably worth more than Intel now. Dude, you got to make a video on, on board meetings. Okay, I'll I'm put it on my list. Actually, I'm, I might be videoing today, so maybe I'll put a how to do a. See, that's the thing. It's it's interesting. I'm trying to get better with the YouTube videos. As I said earlier, in terms of marketing, we all have so much time available in the day. So mm-hmm. if you look at like a pie chart, it's like eight hours you're sleeping, eight hours you're jerking off. Just kidding. Um, eight hours you're working, and then you know maybe so that's what sixteen, and then you have eight hours left to kind of do whatever you want. So there's actually a lot of time in the day, but prioritizing it and figuring out what to do is the most important thing. Right. It's the most important thing is priority. And that's, that's frankly, in business, prioritizing is literally the most important thing. Do so you, you have optimize these pe- your day? Oh, finish your thought first. I just had a thought come in. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, and so you have to, people are the most important, but if you don't prioritize people, like, and so prioritizing is the most important thing. And so with the YouTube thing, as I'm trying to figure out how to market it, I've noticed really interesting stuff. But number one is that if you're doing marketing, like for YouTube, I'm trying to think about which keywords actually have the most potential for me. Because I think as I've been doing it, you know, I'm just going through like I'm, I'm going through a habit of making videos once a week. That's my habit. Mm-hmm. But now I'm trying to think, all right, well, I can make 100 different videos. Which video topic is actually going to have the largest potential? So some people, though, will see like, well, Gary Vee talked about toilets and uh, this PewDiePie talked about shit. It's like, yeah, but they're already big. They can make a video about anything they want now. Right. But if you're trying to get bigger, you have to be a little bit more strategic uh, to figure that out. You know, and so that you should get well, these. The, what's that? Oh, the spectacle. I got them. I returned them. Why? The spectacles? Because you, I don't know. I just didn't want to be like, I use my phone for Snapchat. I love Snapchat. I'm on Noah Kagan, but I, I just don't want to yeah, have Yeah, I follow you. Don't follow me, bitch. Bro, what's because you probably don't post interesting stuff. No, it's because you literally Here, didn't follow, follow me. Here, what's your, hey, what's your Snapchat handle? I'll follow you. And then if it's ungood, I'll just unfollow. It's Eric Osu Growth. Eric Osu Growth. I'll follow it. There's, I think, not I think, what's so amazing about today is that everyone can be a star. Right. And everyone can be get their stuff out there. And that, and that also creates Achilles heel or the, the flip side of it is that there's so much people vying for attention. Mm-hmm. There's Instagram, our phones, you know, podcasts, YouTube, Facebook is optimized to suck your time. You, like YouTube is optimized for watch time. And uh, and so to stand out, this is the second thing. So one, figuring out the topics that people really want. The second thing that I'm, I'm working on is how do you put in more quality to it? Because I do think in terms of marketing and business in general, you will get out what you put in. Yes, this is the cliche zone. We're going to do a bunch of cliches, but <laughs> I've, I've seen it like that Tony Robbins article. Of my articles on okdork.com, my marketing blog, I've had three articles go viral. Each of those three articles took over a month to write. Every other article that I didn't spend a month writing, and it's not a guaranteed formula, but it's just to give people con- conceptually the idea of like, shit, if you put a lot in, you're probably going to get something out. So my Tony Robbins article, why I got fired by Facebook article, uh, why, why data goes viral article, those went viral because I spent a lot of time writing them. Uh, and, they're in, and then the second part is that they're also, well, I guess third part, so one, pick the topics, two, invest a lot, three, this is something I think about with our YouTube channel. If you're just making videos like everyone else, you're probably going to get no attention like everyone else. Right. And so I'm trying to think, of, and so like I'm doing these YouTube videos and they're good. I think they're great. And if I do it for a year, but the second part of that's key to success is persist and evolve. And so what I'm realizing is that I got to figure out some angles that are more unique for my own opinions and not be fake about it. But one of the angles I'm, te- I'm going to start testing in a few weeks is doing business like a Jew. <laughs> a lot for sure. And so I think it's kind of like it's funny. I'm not going to be making fun of Jews that much. 
I'm Jewish. I can do it. And I, I just think it's like another kind of approach that people will be like, oh, it's the Jew guy. Like, it's funny. So, and I'll try it out. If it works, I'll do more. If it doesn't, then I'll experiment with something else. I'll tell you what's different about your stuff. I mean, it, it's the reason why I watch your YouTube videos more and they're, they're, you know, my friend's like, oh my God, they're so good, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's just because you're being yourself, right? And you're really good at, if you're interviewing someone, you're really good at disarming them and you're really good at just making it really personable, right? And like, you have funny shit going on the whole time. It's just because you're being yourself. And like that, we're in the cliche zone, right? So be yourself. <laughs> you know what's funny then? Like then you see people asking, well, how do I be myself? <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, you deal with your depression. You deal with your self-consciousness. You deal with right. your, you know, um, your, you know, your inefficiencies. I, I think for me, a lot of that uh, comes back to two, one, like two things. One, well, maybe a few things, but one journaling. So like go write about yourself just for yourself. Doesn't even have to be public. And that kind of, it's helped me process who I am. Uh, and what I like, what I don't like, I sit in my chair, I bought an expensive chair. I don't have any expensive things, but I have an expensive chair, the uh, Eames chair. The painting was very expensive too. It was like 5k. It was pretty expensive. Oh my God. Uh, it was cool. It's like a commission painting, but I don't have many expensive things. Uh, but the things I do, I like, but I bought an expensive chair. So I would actually sit in it and think, mm. cause I was like, well, if I bought an uncomfortable chair, I probably won't want to be in it too long. And, uh, you know, you do chair? these things. I got it on sale. So if you're going to buy an Eames chair, which is like this classic chair, you kind of get, it's a chair you give to your kids. Uh, it was 3,500. So if you're oh, buying it from design nice. within reach, wait till they have a sale or email them and say, Hey, I know your sales coming and can I just buy it now? Uh, ahead of time. There's all, you can always get a discount. People, people, I, I talked to this really, uh, this really cool founder of Alinea, the restaurant, one of the best restaurants in the world. And he was telling me how he was, uh, buying something and he asked for a discount. And I'm like, dude, you're worth probably like 10 to $30 million. Like you're asking for discounts. And he had the best line at one of the best ones I've ever heard about it. He said, this is why I'm worth so much. This is why I'm rich. Cause uh, I asked for discounts. And I was like, ah, he's not even Jewish. Uh, there's but so anyways, many yeah, in here. There's, so there's, many dude, this is a fucking fun ass interview. These are the ones where, you know, I, I think in terms of being yourself, it's also going in, and, and this is something that was a breakthrough for me in the past 12 months. And, I, and I'm really excited to share it is just like finding the things that you're great at and that give you energy. So talking with you, I could probably go another hour to yeah. like, I really, I'm, I'm going to go mountain biking eventually, yep. but I just love talking with you and this is great. And so it's like, if you, and it's like, well, how do I do more of this in my day? So you talked about like habits and days and things like that. I try to, I, especially after my dad died a few years ago. And as you get into your thirties, you, you really do work smarter. People in their twenties don't work smart. Just work hard. Just be a dumbass. It's mm -hmm. fine. But in your thirties, you start recognizing that time may not be around as long. And I hope more people do this, but spend that time then thinking about like, how do I want my days to be? And what things have I done that give me energy? Is it talking to someone? Is it writing something? Is it coding something? Is it selling something? Is it going for a jog? Whatever that is. And then how, and then engineer your day as much around that as possible. And it doesn't, it doesn't guarantee a great day. You know, like my Friday last week, I literally, I could not understand why I felt like shit all day. I slept well. I have expense. Like I do, I do invest in my mattresses and shit like that. Cause you know, you spend eight hours a day on it, get a good a mattress. Casper? Uh, no, I, ha I actually bought the Chinese one off Amazon. It's like 400 bucks. Dude, it's so good. And then I bought a mattress topper for it. And then I, you know, I tested different, I tested different mattresses, tested different sheets. And I ended up on JC Penny sheets are actually the best. I don't know if you ever use homesweethome.com, but they recommended them. And they, I, I definitely vouch for that. But the point being is like, <laughs> sorry, I got distracted <laughs> with the sheet stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, go, you, you know, go and find the things that really give you energy. And it doesn't mean every day is going to be perfect, but it, it makes it more likely than not uh, you're going to get more out of your days and more out of your life. Dude, I have like a, a sneeze that's stuck midway again. Fucking A, let... This is not the meditation podcast, man. <laughs> that's going to happen. I, I don't like when people do that. It just seems so weird. What's that? That when they don't let it out, they're like, mm. you know? <laughs> what? No, that... Mm. The way they don't let it out. Let it out. I have no idea what you're talking about. No, but when they don't let it out, when they don't let the sneeze out. Must be something in Texas. I don't yeah. know. Okay, here's a second. Here's a question about that. Do you ever get annoyed when someone sneezes? Yeah, because it's like a fake sneeze. It's like a chee. Like, like okay. you, you know what I mean? Or they're so fucking loud. I'm like, dude, there's no way you sneeze that loud. Yep. That is not possible. Yep, yep, totally. But then I'm like, maybe they really sneeze that loud. Should I really get mad about them sneezing? I don't know. Well, so, you know, the things that you can't control in life, you just leave it, right? Right. Stoicism, cliche thing number five. I think that's actually a bigger one, dude. I, well, yes, I'm not trying to say it's bigger than what you said, but yeah, I think that's a very valuable lesson. That's something I was doing with Sumo. Uh, and, you know, my to the to point of enjoying your day and maximizing your day and doing things you do, it's like also figuring out, and, and this is something I struggled with, is that do you do what you're great at or fix what you're weak at? Mm. 
And I finally came to the conclusion maybe 18 months ago where I was like, no, I just do better. Let me just keep working what I'm great at. Why would I try to fix what I suck at? And for business, hire people that are better than you at that and like doing that. And, And that's really changed a lot of it. And so in the business, you know, I like starting things. I like you know, promoting. So let me lead Sumo and, 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 you know, promote from the front. And it was a little bit hard for me because I think what I was doing was I was coming to the business and I call it the pigeon theory, which I really like sharing. It's, it's where you come in somewhere, you shit, and then you fly away. <laughs> it's, and I love the pigeon theory because I think every time I say it, it makes me smile. Cause you got to write about it. I think that, oh, fuck, maybe I'll do the pigeon theory today. It's All right. Content All right. ideas. This is the content idea podcast. This is, you know, it, that's the thing, you know, we talked about earlier well, and I'll finish the pigeon theory, but if people are, if people commit in marketing every Thursday to a blog post, you figure ways to come up with ideas. Mm-hmm. And I think it's when you don't kind of commit to that kind of consistency that it makes it harder for you to be like, oh, I've got nothing to write about. It's like, well, if something has to come out Thursday, you'll figure fucking something to write about. No time is no excuse. Ooh, that was good. That's an, man, this is just fucking nuggets. People should definitely leave comments or tweet you or Snapchat us. Yeah. Uh, tons of dick pics, by the way. My favorite. <laughs> I haven't actually gotten a Snapchat dick pic. So if why why would you? Why would, why would anyone want to send you a dick pic? I don't want it necessarily, but I'd be curious just to say I've gotten one. Dude, but do you ever get those dick pics? And this, do you ever get those forwarded to you by other girls? No, you do. Yeah, yeah, it's really weird. Um, that is? Yeah. I don't know if we should leave this in, but we probably will. No. And so coming back to the pigeon theory, you know, I think you have to realize what you're strong at. And for me, it's starting. And, you know, I came in, was kind of criticizing Chad. And we weren't getting along. And then I realized, like, dude, you got to come in and either be a part of the solution or you're part of the problem. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Either you're part of the solution or you're part of the problem. And so I got to come in and figure out how can I help Chad and not just be there kind of criticizing. How and did I, you realize I, that, though? Because it takes a lot for you to, like, realize that internally because you've, you've had so much success. Like, I, you know, I've done all this stuff in the past. You got to yeah. listen to me. Like, how did you realize that yourself? How did I realize that? I, it was from having that chat with that guy, Kit, and he said that. And I was like, man, that is what I'm doing. And I think we know a lot of the, in general in life, I think we do know the answers, but for some reason we want to confuse ourselves. Hmm. We actually know the answer we want. Like, what do we really want? I kind of know this, but you, it's, it's either hard or you're going to put up excuses or you make it difficult for yourself. Uh, I think I'm trying to think of more how I exactly, I know that conversation was a big thing. Recognizing how well Eamon's done without me being involved was helpful. And then I guess with Chad, it's it's really talking to him. And I think one of the things I'm that's helped me be successful, however you want to define that, is I think I'm I'm very good at feedback. What do you and mean? I think most people are kind of sucky at feedback. Uh, meaning that I like it when people talk shit to me. Mm. And I think I'm pretty good at deciphering which people's feedback I want to inter like and I internalize it, like actually internalize it. I think a lot of people hear feedback and one we go defensive. Someone said this to me, I thought it was one of the best lines. It was a key, from Keith Ferrazzi. And it was, you know, when someone gives you feedback, the first thing you do is say, thank you. Yes. That's the first thing you do. And it, then you're at his house, right? Yeah. I got, Great home. House? Great home. Have you been? Crazy. There? Yeah. Crazy. View. I've been there a couple of times. Oh, a couple of times. Oh, no, no, no. It's because it's I know the guy that lives at his place, Hokobo. Have you met him? The house manager? No, no, no. There's another guy that lives there. He considers like him like his son, but I know him oh, the well. Son. Yeah. I've only met Keith like once. So. So, but that point about feedback, I think is very interesting because I don't think a lot of my success is not from me. It's from the people I work with. And so I want them to get rich or get whatever they want in life. And what I think I've done well is that I'm not always the best at everything, but I think I'm good at observing what's the best and then either hiring them or working with them at at all costs. Uh, Or if someone's giving me feedback about how I can be better, it's like, oh yeah, I actually think that is something that I can improve. And then I try to figure out ways to make sure I do it. So with Chad, it's like, yo, I think I'm annoying you. Do you, do you have like, what feedback do you have for me about how to be a better partner for you? He's like, well, if you could actually just do this stuff, like that would help me out. And it's like, okay, well, why don't I just try to do that? And it took, it's taking time. I think it's taking about like three to six months. I wouldn't say it's overnight mm-hmm. me being a great partner, but it's doing it, getting feedback and then trying to keep working on it and working on it. And eventually you get better. But I think most people just get defensive right away and then they get feedback. That's actually great feedback, but they don't want to improve it. I, I see this a lot with business and marketing too where you come to someone, they say, Eric, you've done a bunch of marketing or no, you've done a bunch of marketing. Here's my idea for marketing. What do you think? And I say, well, I, I don't agree with any of it, but you're not going to do whatever, the, whatever advice I give you. So it doesn't matter. Mm. And I literally for years, man, I would go to people or people would come to me and they say, Hey, what do you think? And then I would spend like 20 minutes giving them feedback about what to change. Cause I've done it. I've been doing this 17 years. Like I'm pretty experienced with some of it. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm always right. And I love to be proven wrong because that means there's new things. And I think you, you know, you do have to stay naive. An example of this was last week I was outside walking and someone came by me 
They said, oh, you're no Kagan. That's so cool. I was like, oh, cool, man. What's your name? His name was Aaron. And he said, yeah, I've got this business idea. I'm going to build an app for realtors. And what it does is that you can talk to your clients. So you send a message and they get the message. Uh, and I was like, that sounds like email. He's like, no, no, no. But it's, it's different than email because they get the message right away. I'm like, sounds like like a text maybe. And he's, like, <laughs> he's like, no, it's this different thing. And then my friend's like, what, could you start a Facebook group instead, instead of building this app? And so we, I, and normally I would spend 15 minutes trying to convince him otherwise, because he, he's going to spend a bunch of money and he's going to work on it until the end of the year. He said, I'm launching at the end of the year. It, it, we're in May right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think some people don't really want feedback and they don't want advice. And that's fine. Sometimes you have to learn it yourself. It's not they just a bad thing. validation. Yeah, they just want agreement. And I think you'll be more successful, not just doing whatever Noah, Eric, or Neil, or any of these guys tell you to do, but experimenting with yourself, being open to feedback, and then you know really being aware of what's working and doing more of it. Right, totally agree. Okay, well, three more questions from my end. I know you gotta go yeah, bike right. and stuff. Uh, so, you know what's interesting? I mean, once you start to have you know, success with your, your other businesses, things start to stabilize. You know, most entrepreneurs I'm seeing around kind of you know above 30 or so, it's like, okay, well, you know, I have these stable businesses. Now the next thing is let's go buy businesses and let's, you know, Warren Buffett model, right? You buy other businesses and you leave kind of the, the executive team there and you just keep doing that, you know, down the road. And actually, uh, I just picked up uh, one of my one of my mentors, you know, he, that's what he does right now. He just buys a bunch of businesses, right? And I'm seeing that model like kind of become more and more popular. So are you doing things like that? Is that kind of what you're seeing in your space? No. <laughs> no? <laughs> I've seen people do that. Yeah. Uh, what I do is that I have stuff that's working. And then I just try to figure out how do I make that work twice as better. Right. So there's a reason I've only angel invested in two other companies because I use their products, Teachable and Buffer. Mm-hmm. But I haven't really angel invested. I don't do a bunch of stocks. I don't do a bunch of like mutual funds or other things because I have stuff that's working. We have Sumo working. We have AppSumo working. And I'm pretty confident that I can better use my money on that and I, instead of trying to find the next new thing. And, and that's hard. It's hard, very hard for me. Because we always believe that the new thing is going to be the savior. Mm-hmm. This next thing we buy will be bigger. This another thing will be better. And, you know, like with AppSumo, we had a really interesting experience. So we grew the company for three years. It plateaued at around $4 million revenue, four, four and a half. And it plateaued. And then I got kind of scared and I fired a lot of the people because the expenses got so high and the revenue got low. And so we went from 20 people down to four. This is AppSumo, right? This is AppSumo. Yeah. And... You know, we went back to the basics. We did two deals a week, only great deals. You know, we went back to the basics and and kind of kept going. You know, fast forward two and a half years, the company's much larger than that with six people. Now, maybe eight. I don't know their size. And it's going to be even larger. They've got some really crazy vision that I'm just like super excited to see. And I think you should be excited about the vision. Like if you don't have a vision that you're looking forward to, like it's probably not a great vision. What is the vision? Can you reveal it? Uh... Give it, I need it another month before it comes out. I don't okay. want it to be, it's not, that's the thing. I think it's not about being beta. Like it's actually out there. So they're testing it. Uh, but I don't know when they want that to be promoted. But the, the vision is more right now. There's a lot of software out there all over the place. And it, you always have to, it's very complicated and you have to pay like different prices across all these different products. Like how do you simplify that? There's a, you know, it's interesting. I, I saw on product hunt yesterday, Mark Cuban just in, invested in something that, uh, consolidates all your SaaS products into one thing and tells you like what you should be paying, what you shouldn't be paying. Yeah, that yeah. I think that's the dashboard thing. I saw yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's okay. I don't know if people right now people are paying a lot for a lot of different products. Is there a way to make yes. that easier? Yes, please. I will pay for that. That's so. If anyone's trying to start a business out there, or you're doing marketing, Brian Balfour said it well. He's like, you should be pushing the ball downhill, not uphill. And what you need to look for is when someone like Eric says, this doesn't mean it's guaranteed, but when when your customer or potential customer says, oh wow, yes, when mm-hmm. they have that like. That like snap. I can only snap with my left hand, by the way. I don't know if you can. Snap. I, I can't snap with either. See, look. Oh man, we got to work on that. You got two slip. It's because you got computer hands, dude. Yeah, sweaty, sweaty Asian <laughs> hands. Or I was gonna say your your hands are built for piano keys. <laughs> <laughs> your parents, dude. Interestingly yeah. enough, I play the drums. I don't play piano. I'm like the, your parents I'm let like, you play drums. Yeah, they're like, oh, you, know, you suck at piano. You suck at trumpet. You suck at all this. You suck at violin. I'm like, I don't play drums, dude. <laughs> See, I think that's a great thing. You got to find your you got to find your groove. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, coming back to the original thing, I, I've thought about, um, I bought like a Chrome extension. I've been, I'm experimenting with that for a marketing channel. Um, but what I've realized that I was doing incorrectly that I've started fixing is that if something's already working, there's a, a probably a high probability that can work a lot better instead of trying to find the next new thing. Right. Uh, and so I'm trying to align, like if I do buy anything, like how does this help Sumo grow? Because I exactly. think Sumo has a lot more opportunity. I think AppSumo has a lot more opportunity. 
Um, so you, you basically you have this audience already, right? I was just talking about this with, with the other guy, right? Ex president of JBL Speakers, and he's like, "Well, you know what you do is if you're going to buy software, you plug it into an audience that you have already. You just keep plugging it into your audience. It's easier to sell that way." And this is this is almost a you, you had a post on Tony Robbins, right? But like Tony Robbins, like, yeah, you kind of stay within your circle of like influence, and it's easier to just plug things in and grow. We don't. Yeah, I mean, I'd say the mistakes that most people make is that they give up too early. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't, and then, I mean, there's a bunch of them, but another one is that they just don't take advantage of what they already have. Right. So what that means is that if I, we have AppSumo, that's almost a million people. We have Sumo, that's a few hundred thousand and it's not bragging. It's just that, you know, it took me seven years to help and me and a bunch of other great people to build this up. And to, it's like, I was talking about, well, and so it makes more sense to continue that than to go fucking start square one. Like I was talking with Laura Roeder. And I love Laura Roeder. She runs Meet Edgar and I use it. It's a great thing to recycle your content, get more traffic, all this stuff. And then she wants to work on a brand new product. And I'm like, you have a 100,000 mailing list. You have 10,000 plus customers over here. And you want to go compete with something over there that you don't know anything about. And it's not to say it can't work. And you live one life. So if you want to go try that shit out, it's fine. But I think it's kind of easier to keep going with what's already working uh, than try to start from scratch. Right. We, we think the problem, though, is that and I know this because I go through it myself. We think it'll be easier. We think the new next new thing is actually going to solve the problem. The grass is always greener. It generally is not. Yeah. You always think that, though, right? Yep. You do. And it, even if you hear this, you're like, well, I know it. This next feature is going to fix our business or this next thing. And I'm like, probably not. Probably not. It's actually one thing I've noticed from our businesses. Uh, and just and this is something that's kind of surprising for me is that more than not, most businesses, if they actually went in and removed things, they would be very successful. Mm. So if you remove your blog posts, if you remove different links from your site, if you remove some of your podcasts, you remove some of your YouTube, you remove some of your features. So like I bought this Chrome extension, leo.io, L-E-O-H.io. It's a productivity extension. So it replaces your homepage with like a Zen mode and, and your calendar so you can uh, get more shit done. And people complained, but I looked at the data and basically three things were the most used. The weather the Zen mode and um, I think the notes. But when, when I bought it, I bought it for 25K. I'm happy to, I'll put the number out there yeah. if people are curious. When I bought it, there was all this shit there. It was a Google search. It was a news thing. There was this thing and that thing. And what's been interesting is that the reviews have gone up, growth has gone up when I just removed everything that people weren't using. Whether there's a few that are going to complain is one thing, but if I look at the data, like, I don't know, it's like 60% just use those three things. Right. And so I just focused on making those a lot better uh, and removing everything else or hiding everything else. That'd be a great video. On um, which thing? Removing shit. Because you talked about for for AppSumo, right? You're, you have to cut down and you, you grew more. You're talking about this. You're cutting down and you know, engagement's better. Yeah, I think what's part of the issue with some of my videos on the Noah Kagan on YouTube is I make the video too quickly. And I think it's good for my existing audience. So someone, this is something I've been thinking about with YouTube. You know, people that are large, it's easy to just keep talking because you're already at that scale. But when you're small, you really have to be super narrow. So that's why I have to talk about maybe email marketing. And then that's my thing. Because a lot of YouTube, what's been fascinating from a growth perspective, you put out this video and your current audience loves it, but then it makes a very nice triangle or a very nice pyramid. They watch it and then it dies. Yep. They watch it and then it dies. And and to me, there's no point in making any video like that. That's literally, I just wasted my time. I wasted my viewers' time. I wasted like everything. So you're saying it has I to only, be evergreen. If it's not evergreen, there's no fucking point. Mm-hmm. And... If I look at what videos are evergreen, they're generally very specific marketing tactics. And it's, you know, that's, it's unfortunate or fortunate. Like I can do those for a good bit of time. Like my wedge, as people have heard in marketing or Seth Godin talks about, make your wedge, get known for it. Then you can start expanding the pie. Facebook owned Harvard. People forget this. When Facebook launched, there was 10 other social networks, maybe more. Connect you. There's other ones. I fucking can't even talk, remember off the top of my head, but there's a bunch. So why did Facebook win though? Friendster was there. MySpace was there. Because they were very fucking focused. They mm-hmm. won Harvard. Then they went to the next school. Then everyone was like, give me, give me, give me. Then they went. To, they just went very uh, methodically to the most popular schools that, that were elite. And then they went to high school. Then they went to professional. Then they opened up. Then they went world. And now they dominate. Uh, and I think with marketing, it's a good reminder for myself. You kind of start very specifically and, and very narrow and then expand out. Uh, and so it's kind of like with these keywords, I've got to go back and kind of uh, prioritize where they fit in. Even though... What I was doing is, you know, persisting and doing this, which is great, but you also have to evolve, which means recognizing what's working and doing more of that. Final question, or actually two more questions. Dude, yeah, this is fun. I'll stay for a while. I yeah, it, you know what's interesting? So it, it says a lot when I usually condense these to 25 minutes or so, and we've gone for an hour. Um, that's that's just how, I, this is probably the best one this year so far. Um, yes. So, so that's yes. to you. 
testament to you. But um, you know what's interesting? I, I heard this quote uh, before. It's it's the the organization's weakness is the CEO's greatest strength. What do you think about that? Fully fucking agree. Fully agree. I don't even have to think about that one. The company. Someone said this, and I thought this was a good example. I don't. I don't remember who it said. The company is a projection of the owner in real life. Whoa. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I've, so if you I've took a projector and projected me and put it in real life, that, that's generally what your company looks like. So if you're a slob and unorganized, there it's, it's very unlikely your company's going to be super organized. You are whatever. If you're super on time and strict, then your company's probably going to be like that too. Uh, and so I think the company definitely reflects the founder. What I've learned from that, and it only, and here's the thing, dude, everyone knows this shit, but no one does it. So, and I'll give you a real life example in a second. The company, like I'm great at starting out and, and growing and figuring out new marketing channels and things like that. That's why I'm fucking with the Chrome extension mm-hmm. because I'm doing the 20% experiments that'll help us grow. But I can't, like, not I can't, I'm not as great at doing the, some of the maintaining stuff. And so I have to find people that are great at that. And only really in the past, maybe two to three years have I gotten stronger about hiring, trying to hire experts and hire the best to do those things. I think before you try to hire the best value instead of actually hiring the best people. And like a recent example is I'm trying to hire an assistant today. Mm. So let me ask your opinion. There's a girl who's young, 20, 22. She may not actually want to be in a 23. She answered the questions pretty well, pretty well. She's $22 an hour and you know, she's available and she's good. Um, now there's a second person who's, she's probably, and you can't, you can't discriminate on age, but she's probably in her fifties. She's $50 an hour and she's a career executive assistant. She's been doing this for 20 years. Mm-hmm. So do you hire, and so who do you hire? Just pause for a second so everyone can kind of make that decision internally. Who do you hire? The young, cheap, inexperienced, hungry possible person or the super experienced, like senior, uh, been doing it, it's a career for them? Yeah, so I, I think it depends on where you're at and what your goals are. But I'm, I'm actually literally, I faced this exact scenario a couple weeks ago because I was making a change. And interestingly enough, my, uh, my former EA, who's now moving to Austin to get her MBA, um, so she helped interview these two, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, one's looking for about 75 K other ones looking for, you know, kind of what your, the first one is like 22 an hour or something like that. And, uh, you know, we, we actually made a decision to go with the, the cheaper one because she's been around longer. Um, but they, they have like equal experience, but our, our fear with the one that was looking for more money was that she would try to jump around too much. Right. So um, I'm not really answering mm-hmm. your question specifically. So your answer specific, your question specifically for me in my scenario, I probably pay the fifty bucks an hour because she knows what to do and she'll get it done faster, and you don't have to wait. I know that's where I'm leaning towards because I think what this is something Andrew Chen said, it, and I thought it was such a great damn analogy. He's like, you know, you've been like Moneyball. You ever seen Moneyball the movie? Yeah, yeah, great movie, great mm-hmm. book. He's like the Oakland A's. Let's talk about the Oakland A's. So they get all these good value, washed up players, but you know, have they won the championship? Who wins the championship? The Yankees. The Yankees, the Cubs, the Red Sox. Who's got the highest payroll in the league? The Yankees, yeah. the Cubs, the Red Sox. Yep. And, and oh, that's so look, good. That, dude, Andrew Chen, man. Fucking hey, Andrew Chen. Yeah. And so I thought that was a great metaphor because, yeah, I think as you, especially a bootstrap company like a lot of us and a lot of people listening, you want to get cheap. You want to be good value. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's good to buy used. It's good to get be practical. But there's something to be said when you hire an expert. Mm-hmm. Like I hired, um, I hired this, and I think I mentioned it to you. I said, oh, did you see the notes from the NPR guy? No, you sent the email back. I haven't opened it yet. Oh, so another example. I paid, I can't talk, well, I asked someone that works at NPR. I can't, he actually was not supposed to be doing that. Uh, but to come, and, uh, to come and edit my podcast. Because I, I was like, NPR makes the best shows total. Like, they're the best shows. So let me find the best and then learn from them. So I worked with him and he changed my game in terms of like how to ask questions, things I'm doing differently, things I'm doing incorrectly, uh, not creating enough of a story, leaving too much bullshit in the whole podcast, like not cutting it down just to the meat. And it was very interesting about when you hire an expert or you pay for more, you probably are going to get more. And so I'm doing it with YouTube. I hired this guy, Tim Schmoyer. He's uh, uh, yeah, yeah, video creators. Just, yeah. So I just paid 400 bucks for an hour to talk with him. So in like two weeks, I'm going to talk with him and I'll record it and I'll, I'll send it to you with the recording. Yeah. But I'm like, yeah, these guys have already figured the fuck out. Why am I like, you know, $400 amortized over my lifetime is like a dollar a month. Or like a penny a month, whatever. It's tiny and over time the, save too. Time save, money yeah. save, plus the the growth you get. Yep. So there's probably a good lesson there about hiring coaches or experts, or you get what maybe the the simple answer is you get what you pay for. Yep. And uh, you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. I think that's a that's a PG quote. 
Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We I have noticed that. The more sometimes we start paying now everyone at Sumo's gonna be like, No, I need a raise. <laughs> but that's the thing, right? Like even with the junior people, like we have to um I was talking with the other guy, the the, the JP, JBL guy the other day. He's like, So what do I do about these kind of young and up up and coming talents where you you might start them at forty K or so? He's like, dude, just give them raises instead of you know, the, the typical company will give a raise every year as an annual review, like blah blah blah. But like just do it like every quarter. Keep doing ongoing feedback, give them a raise every single quarter, just keep inching them towards it, right? And that's how you keep the talent for a long time, the kind of up-and-comers. Yeah, that's good. I mean, what I've realized for business, like we have almost 50 people, which is not bragging. And and sometimes I'd like a lot less. Sometimes I'd like a lot more. It it Mm -hmm. depends on my mood. But the reality is is that it's it's very expensive to replace someone. Yes. Because you lose the money, you lose what they create, and you lose the time. It's much, 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 much easier to just keep them happy. Mm -hmm. So is that a motivation thing? Is that a purpose thing? Is that a money thing? And it's kind of like your business. It's much easier to just grow what's working than start something new. Yes. It's much easier to, like if you're in a happy relationship with your girl or guy to keep it going than try to go on Tinder or Grindr, whatever the hell you're doing, <laughs> to find someone else new. Right. So it, it's easy to make the, I don't know, maybe that's an age thing or a wisdom thing as you get a little older. But uh, it's just the stuff that I've noticed as, as I've been doing this for a while. Cool. Incredible, man. Well, this has been, again, the best one for the year. Uh, what's the best way for people to find you online? One, number one, go Warriors for all the fans out there. Hopefully we won the championship by the time you heard this. Uh, if you're looking to learn more uh, about me, number one, check out the companies so they can help, your, help you listening to this. AppSumo.com, Groupon for Geeks. It's a free newsletter. Promotes awesome products. Sumo.com. Uh, we spent a bunch of money on that, so go check it out. Just check it out just because. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's free tools to grow your email list. And to learn more about me, if you're in podcast world, just search Noah on podcast and subscribe to Noah King Presents. Uh, and I'm messing with that YouTube stuff. Uh, just search Noah Kagan as well there. Cool. Thanks and so much for doing this. Yeah, hold on. Dick pics too, by the way. <laughs> At Noah Kagan on Snapchat. Just send me your dick pics. <laughs> I want to see a bunch. <laughs> if I get one, dude, I'd be pretty excited. I can't imagine what it's like to actually get a dick pic. That's strange. Oh, you're totally going to get one now. Cool, man. Thanks so much for doing this. I was actually checking my phone. I was like, did anyone send it yet? Nope. nope, nope. <laughs> Thanks for having me. This is really fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.